The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, it's time for the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. I'm Dennis Farrell. He's Petey Williams. How is she going, eh? There it is. It's going great, Petey. Before you and I get in some wrestling talk and it take take our very first interview, let's be honest with ourselves. I did one when you were not here with uh, Flying Brian the Second, which I don't really count that as our first interview because you were not there and he kind of replaced you. But this, yeah. James Ellsworth, is our first interview. As, as a team, it's a team effort. We're going to tag team James Ellsworth, and I'm excited about it. Boy, I hope he's just as excited as we are. Is that <laughs> so? I'm sure he is. When I when I bumped into him, uh, uh, like a month ago or in January, I should say, at Destiny, um, he he said a couple lines from our podcast verbatim that I I don't even remember, but um, but I did remember it when he said the lines, and I was like, yeah, yeah, we did. So I mean, he listens and he's a fan of the podcast. So I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't be excited. So before we get to Ellsworth, before we talk about some of the burning issues for this week, you and I have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Listen, we had a great run here at Wrestling Inc. as we wrap up our our last two weeks, Ellsworth, and then next week we have Jeff Jarrett as our interview. We're wrapping up our run with Wrestling Inc. It's mutual. It's amicable. I feel like if we want to come back, the doors would be wide open to us. There was no ill will towards our decision of to kind of move on, but it's a decision we made, and they are very supportive of us since making that decision. Uh, we've we've really started to promote our own uh, podcast feed, so we're very appreciative of everybody who's gone out and subscribed to the Wrestling Perspective podcast. PD, let me tell you how blown away I am at what our fans have done. Are you, are you ready All for right. this? Yeah, shoot. Monday, we were not even anywhere on the landscape of of well-known podcasts. We were under the Wrestling Inc. umbrella, which was up in the ranking. So we, the Wrestling Perspective, were not – we did not have a a foothold of force on the podcast rankings. Since announcing the split and really starting to promote our iTunes feed, which you can go over to WrestlingPerspectivePodcast.com, please rate – Five stars, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us move up the rankings. We're now at number 15 on on iTunes Whoa. for wrestling podcasts. Top 15. 15? I mean, we're, we'll probably hit the number one spot by, like, what, Friday or something? A couple days? I, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But we couldn't, um, we couldn't do this without the fans. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Um you know, and Wrestling Inc.'s been, been been great to us. I mean, it's good to, you know, be able to team up with, uh, you know, and do business anytime for, you know, I mean, it works both ways. Like, they have somebody, they have us on their website, and then, you know, we're on their website. It works hand in hand. So, um, you know, it was mutual. I'm sure, you know, they'll move on, get another podcast, stuff like that, and, um We'll move on, and it's it's going to be good for everybody. It's almost like the Shield. In two years, we'll come back, reunite, and take down the Mistrage. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing. Like, and I hate Breaker. Like, I hope us and wrestling can still be friends. You know, so um, yeah, very, very amicable. We gave them a two week notice, so it wasn't like we're leaving. Poof, gone. But uh, you'll maybe hear- give them. 
15 days notice because we're number 15 right now on uh, iTunes. But if if you're listening on Wrestling Inc. and you're a fan of this podcast, you follow us. You know, we decided just to kind of go out on our own, test the water, see how we do, and uh, we need your help. You know, come subscribe. Go to Wrestling Inc. Not Wrestling Inc. WrestlingPerspectivePodcast.com. There you can find our Facebook page, our Twitter accounts. There are links to iTunes. If you don't listen on to iTunes, there's Stitcher, and we're on Tuned In, too. So I appreciate if you guys just head over, subscribe to us. If not, you can tweet PD or myself. PD, where can people reach out to you? On Twitter at IPDWilliams. And you can uh, reach out to me at Dennis77Farrell, F-A-R-R-E-L-L. But thank you guys for, for – we were over there for a little bit longer than a year. It was a great run. We – just no it will. Sometimes you just have to move on and freshen things up, and that's kind of what you and I are doing. Yeah, it's always – you don't want your char- character to get stale. Um, so just like us, we don't want our wrestling perspective podcast to get stale and, you know, like over the next two weeks, I mean, I know we're leaving wrestling Inc, but, um, we don't really have guests and now we're already hitting it off with like, uh, you know, Ellsworth next week and, uh, more guests to come Ellsworth tonight. Oh yeah, that's right. Tonight. Tonight. What? Oh, next week is something else. I'm sorry. Why don't you go ahead and talk about next week? No, you know what? Should I? Yeah. Um, well, you know, next week we'll have uh, my uncle on the show. And, uh, you know, my uncle being Uncle Jeff Jarrett. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for that. You know, he's always been my boss and stuff like that. And, you know, now he's not. And we could talk like regular people. And, of course, he's just been uh, – well, he's going to be inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame, which shocked everybody. And uh, it should be an interesting podcast. Um, some of the questions we ask and, you know, his uh, perspective on, on on what's going on. So it should be interesting how that how the Hall of Fame all came about and stuff like that. And, um, well, we don't want to spoil anything for you. So yeah. let's just leave it at that. But we're really excited about Uncle Jeff being on. on our way I don't know at- if I can call him Uncle Jeff now. I think you, you know? can. I mean, I, I, I think he'll always be my uncle. Um, but... I, I, I think I, call, I still call him Uncle Jeff. I think you should. That, I think that's yeah. perfect. So now let's get into some wrestling talk as we've spent six minutes doing some house cleaning, which, as we said one more time, we appreciate you guys, the fans. We really do. Tweets, if you've listened to any past podcasts, we give everybody shout-outs because we're just excited someone decided to listen to us with all the options out there. So last time we kissed you, the fans' butts, but... Thank you very much. Is next week we do a hill turn and hit you with the chair. So, yeah, right. <laughs> Big swerve. <laughs> we tricked you. All right. Yeah. You and I talked about this when this happened. You were at the tapings, the same McCallahan thing, and he has been taking a beating from professionals on Twitter. Cassius Ono jumped in on him. Uh, you had uh, Jim Cornette bash him. You were there at the tapings. You were there when it happened. Let's let's talk about the Sammy Callahan thing from a fan's point of view, me, and from a professional point of view, you. I'll let you start okay. off. After it happened, and it seemed like the even as you kind of see him, it felt like the air was sucked out of the arena. Yeah. So, well, first, did I talk about any of this at all you on did. any of our podcasts? Yes. That was a weird I, thing. Like I, three weeks ago, you recorded a podcast like the night after that happened, and you were like, dude, he took a vicious bat to the face. And what else did I say on it? You you left it kind of like that. I think you talked about it. You said he went to the hospital or something like that. Did, did, did I say Sammy's reaction or anything? No. I didn't? Mm-mm. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, I was there. Um, it happened. Um, everybody in the locker room was like, oh, you know, and like Eddie immediately got up from the mat and like walked to the back. Um, and you know, I, it all happened afterwards. I text my wife and I'm like, Hey, I just witnessed the felonious assault. And she was like, what? And I would, and I explained the situation and she was like, oh, you know, that's messed up. And, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll just, I mean, I don't know if Sammy will 
give me heat for saying this, but I'll just say like how it happened. All right. Um, he gets to the back. Eddie sits down. They're uh, screaming for the trainers to come over, and they get you know uh, medical care rendered to him and stuff like that. And um, Sammy right there was like kneeling down in front of him, like apologizing, like so remorseful and sorry and all that kind of stuff. As well, he should be. Um, let's let's be honest. That that yeah, was probably a I mean, that's what happened. Like I know when I got my my orbital bone broken when Jimmy Rave broke it and. You know, need me in the face, like right away, super remorseful and sorry, went to the hospital with me, all that kind of stuff. And we're like best buds, you know what I mean? So, and I didn't hold it against him. I know what happens. I've done the move with him like, like dozens of times. And I think maybe I just got too comfortable with him and I didn't protect myself like I should. And it, it accidents happen. And, um, you know, maybe the spot was set up wrong with Sammy and Eddie, who knows, but it, the, it, it turned out like how it turned out. And Sammy was really remorseful and sorry and all that kind of stuff. And they actually, he was scheduled for a match because we do several tapings in, uh, in one day. And he was scheduled for a match later on that evening. And they had to pull him from that match. Or they, I think they scrapped the match, whatever the case may be, because he wasn't right. Like, I mean, you know, like he was so down on himself and he couldn't get his head in the game because he felt bad for what he did. So now I'm looking at this. And, you know, I like TMZ sports reports that they catch up with Sammy and, you know, he's not sorry and stuff like that, which I get it because, you know, we look at professional wrestling now and how social media is with Twitter and stuff like that. And you see the character you see on TV. And then as soon as you turn to social media, it's a different character. It's like they're the wrestlers, like a, let's say like a Braun Strowman or something you know, who plays this monster on TV. And then he might have a social media account where he's, you know, holding his kids in his hand, being a good dad. I don't even know if he has kids or whatever, but I'm just saying it's like, that's not the Braun Strowman. I know the Braun Strowman I know is on TV and he destroys everybody. So you got Sammy and I want to say he's, and I don't know. I I haven't talked to Sammy um, since last TV tapings, but you, you you would think he's just playing his character up. Like, no, I'm not remorseful. I'm, you know, he deserves what he got. I don't feel bad for it, all that kind of stuff, which is great for the wrestling business because immediately on TV, you would think Sammy would be like, uh, Eddie Edwards, I hate you. You deserve that baseball bat, all that kind of stuff. But then to turn around, most people on social media say, oh, I'm so sorry for what I've done, blah, 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 blah. So then they, people don't really buy into the storyline because they know it's fake. Right. Mm-hmm. So you got Sammy playing up the storyline a la it's like 1970s when we used the kayfabe was like, you know, still a thing. And, you know, guys wouldn't travel with each other and all that kind of stuff. And if you broke your arm in an angle, you're wearing that cast for like six months. You know, Bob Orton, like that's just what you did to protect the business and stuff and make people believe in the storyline more. So now you got Sammy actually playing his character on social media saying he's not sorry and stuff like that. And then you got guys and I'm hoping, you know, Jim Cornette's just helping the angle and same with Chris Hero, just helping the angle saying, how dare you not be like, you know, ashamed and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, are you guys really, are you guys serious right now? I think they're I'm like, serious. can you not tell what's that? I think they're serious. I think here's what I think. Uh, you'll, other than you saying, hey, man, I, I saw him on the knee and apologizing, which I think we all know in real life that happened. I feel like he was like, you know, he goes on social media probably with the blessings or even urged from management. Like, dude, this this is going to draw eyes. You start pointing this up immediately. Maybe even exactly. With, maybe even with the blessing of Eddie Edwards with, you know, what's good for this is, is what's good for the money. And this is good for money. Everybody don't know that. Yeah, I didn't know he apologized until you just told me. People listening right now did not know he apologized until you just told them. So, yeah, I, Cornette probably – and Cornette loves to shoot his mouth off. I'm not breaking any news or giving you any spoiler alerts. He just loves to shoot his mouth off. He's, he's probably wrapped up in it. How, though? Those guys are really smart guys in the wrestling business. They they should know immediately when that happened. Okay, now think about this. Okay, really, really think about it. If Sammy gets to the back, 
okay, after he hit a guy in the head with a baseball bat and does not apologize, don't you think management would be like, I don't know if we want this guy on our team. Let's can him. But Like, know, seriously. But Coronet's comments were based around the incident, not the apology. Cornette yeah, really, that's true. Cornette really bashed him for the incidents. You know, that was Bush League and a bunch of other stuff. You can find it, but just imagine the worst things Jim Cornette can say that starts with an F word and throw it in a tweet for him. And that's kind of what he said about Callahan. You know, not talented, that's that's a horrible mistake, shouldn't be in the business, that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's true or not. It looked like, and this is, this is from my point of view, it looked like that chair was over, over Edwards. Boy, Sammy was going to take it and hit the chair. Maybe something. I don't know. I don't know if it, it, was. it was a bad spot. It was. It was poorly, poorly set up. Looking back at it, and you're like, oh, you guys shouldn't even have attempted to do it that way. There's so much that could go wrong. You, you, you could have hit him in the stomach with a baseball bat, and it could have meant the same thing as long as the guy sold it properly. I mean. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. It was it was poorly set up the spot, and you know, for Jim Cornette, okay, yeah, we can say it's bush league if that's the way he feels. But like, to not know that Sammy's just playing up this angle, and it is with Eddie's blessing, because you know what, Eddie's it, okay. I'll put it this way: if Sammy hit me in the head with a baseball bat, and I'm in Eddie Edwards' shoes right now, right, mm-hmm. I would be like, yeah, let's let's have him play this up. Like that way, when we get our hands on each other, this angle is going to be so hot. It's going to be it's going to be great for both of those guys, in in uh, you know in the angle and everybody in the like. Look at it. They aired it beforehand, saying like people knew what happened. So then it was like our highest rated show in like a very long time because people wanted to see it. So there's hype around this. So and then Sammy's playing it up. So I'm just I don't know. I mean. I think wrestlers use social media all wrong because they play a character on television. And then even if they say something politically incorrect on social media, everybody holds it against them. But if they say something politically incorrect on television, oh, it's their character. Well, why can't their character be social media too? Like I, I just – I don't get it. It's, 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 I think it's done wrong. I got two questions. Two follow up from what you said. Question number okay. one. Question number one. Do you remember what Edwards' feelings were towards Sammy after that incident? Do you, you know, like, hey, it's all right, don't worry about it, or was he just out of it and didn't really respond? Like, I'm sure the way I saw, so I was like right there afterwards, and I've been in that spot. Like, when you get hurt, uh, you, you like. Yeah, you're pissed. Um, and it's nice to hear when somebody says, man, I'm so sorry. And then, you know, they're, they're by your side. They don't just go, sorry. And, and like, then you're a jerk if you do that. Mm-hmm. But then again, you do want some space and you don't want them to keep apologizing. Um, because you, you just, you, you still need, like, you know, you're hurt. And you need to, like, not blow off some steam, but just to, like, let it sink in kind of deal. Um so, you know, he wasn't up in arms, upset or anything like that. He was he, – he couldn't do much. He was holding an ice pack over his eye, and they were trying to get him, like, you know, uh, bandaged up and all that kind of stuff before the ambulance came. Um, but, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he was disappointed. Anytime you get hurt, you know, you're going to be taken off the show, especially getting a baseball bat. You're, you're hoping that, like, you know, your vision – like, you're just thinking in the future, too. It's like, this is going to affect my vision for the rest of my life and all this kind of stuff. Is this going to have further implications? So, but it was fine. I mean, he wasn't upset. Um, Were they... or he, he didn't show that he was upset, I should say. I don't know if he, he was upset. Um, so, that's how it was. Were they both at the last set of tapings? That happened at the last set of tapings in January. Right. Didn't you just do something? Yeah, that's it. No, that wasn't – so the, the tapings I was at, that was for one night only. Neither of those guys were there. It was more uh, um, like a slew of local talent mixed okay. with impact talent. All right. All right. I, I didn't know if, uh, if you've seen them two together in public since then. But and my last question on this topic before we move on and, and roll towards James Ellsworth – 
if wrestlers use their Twitter like their wrestling characters, do you think that could go and help wrestling bring back kayfabe? Does, does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think that's how it should be done. Like, But the thing is, uh, we live in this world now that anything you put on social media can be like, any sentence or anything can be misconstrued as so politically incorrect that, you know, you get, you could get released from your job pretty much. Like, how, how dare you put that? Like in, there's just, See, that, you know, it, the line is so, it's, man, I just don't even know how to put it. Like, it'd be great if, you know, WWE or, or, or Impact or whatever understood like, hey, you know, me, let, let's say me, P.D. Williams, I don't have much of a character except for being pro-Canada, but I do, you know, tweet a lot of pro-Canada things. <laughs> um, but, like, it's like me, P.D. Williams, if I say something offensive to, like, let's say Americans, I want them to know, like, hey, it's part of my character, not me as P. Because I've lived in the U.S. for over 10 years now, you know, so it's not like I'm saying it like bashing anything about America. Like I live here, you know, my kids are American. They were born here, all of them. So it, it would be nice because that would help kayfabe. Definitely. It would, it would totally bring it back. And I, I think it would be better if we were able to blur the lines without uh, having a fear of like consequences and repercussions and stuff like that. Like, you know, if I look at a Kevin Owens, he should be able to badmouth and say his character and stuff like that. But then also he should be able to say something that he feels as a person as well. And you're like, oh, is that the character or the person? I don't know. And that's like just way more intriguing. And they shouldn't hold that stuff against them. Let's talk. Like, I mean, management shouldn't hold it against them. Management, like, let's, yeah. Let's move on. We have a busy show, and we're going to hit on a lot of points. So you and I had a discussion. Well, actually, on the last podcast you were not on, uh, me and one of my good friends, Joe Pizapia, we were kind of talking about the Mount Rushmore, okay? And not not so much the best wrestler or the best talker, but the best WWE superstar. It, it, not, you know, we're talking social media, outside the ring, inside the ring, the, the best all-around WWE superstar. You took exception because... I said, number one kind of has to be Hulk Hogan. He's, he's kind of grandfathered into that number one spot. Whether you like it or not, Hulkamania, there was nothing bigger than Hulkamania. And maybe still nothing will ever reach that height. Hulkamania brought wrestling into the mainstream. Yep. I'm, you know, The Rock, he's he's was part of the Attitude Era. He transcend wrestling he's you know although i'm not a big fan of many of his movies he's done the rampage really and uh, san andreas he's somehow he still gets pretty decent acting gigs so you have to put him on on that level too i don't remember who i had at three but this is where you took exception to what i had to say i put john cena ahead of stone cold steve austin and, That's what it was, yeah. And you did not agree with that. Um, I, I think when uh, I, I first interpreted it, it was like who had the biggest impact on the world of wrestling. And that could be part put, of the equation too. Yeah, it was something like that. And that's what I look at. Like the, the biggest impact, like where wrestling would be today or or – how the history of wrestling would have been changed if it weren't for these individuals. And when you put John Cena in front of Stone Cold, um, you know, uh, yeah, I did take exception to it. No, first off, it's not defending Stone Cold like he was my favorite because when there was when it was the Rock and Stone Cold era, you were either on the Rock side or you were on Stone Cold side. And I was always that guy on the Rock side. So it's not like I'm sticking for Stone Cold, but I, I do recognize what he's done for this business, and the reason why I took exception to it is because when you look at when you know Bret Hart left and all that kind of stuff, um, you you look at 
WWE is almost out of business pretty much. They were on their way down. They were losing the ratings war and stuff like that. And what happened was was you had Stone Cold, this, this, this guy or whatever, and he pretty much, he was the beginning of it and turned around wrestling as we know it today. And then that's the blossom of the Attitude Era. Then obviously The Rock, you know, rose in on that and all that kind of stuff and took it to the next level. And, you know, I think it helped Stone Cold's character that he was able to feud with The Rock and Vince and all that kind of stuff. But if it wasn't for Stone Cold and people getting behind him, WWE could have very possibly went out of business. There was a, a great chance WCW could have ended up winning this and then there would be no WWE right now. So that's why I put Stone Cold pretty high on that list because I recognize what he's done for WWE and, you know, the, the entertainment business of wrestling. I can I agree with everything you said. Stone Cold was the linchpin and Stone Cold made more money. I look Stone Cold had more memorable feuds. I get all that stuff. But when I think of WWE Superstar, you know, John Cena had a better acting career. Continues to act. Oh, yeah. John Cena. If we're just talking about superstars, yeah, sure. Stone Cold was wrestling and, right. you know, but, that's it. But, but here's another couple factors here. And John Cena has spent more time at the top of his industry than I think Stone Cold did. Stone Cold's mm-hmm. career, unfortunately, was cut short by injuries. He walked out for, what, almost a year, I think. I don't remember the exact time he walked out. John Cena has headlined, I believe, more pay-per-views. He's headlined more WrestleManias than Stone Cold. John Cena has one less Royal Rumble win. I think... When you put all the ingredients into the pot, when you talk about WWE Superstar, you have to put... Look, Stone Cold was a better talker, a better wrestler, a better entertainer. But when you throw everything into this pot, I think you have to give John Cena a little bit more credit than people give him on his legacy in this industry. Oh, I agree. It's just that I think if... This is the way I put it. If there was no, If there was no Hulk Hogan... Would wrestling be where it's at today? No. If there was no Stone Cold Steve Austin, would wrestling be where it's at today? If there was no John Cena, would wrestling be where it's at today? Possibly. Because there would have been somebody else to fill his shoes. I I just, I don't feel like, because John Cena, he was always on top in an industry where WWE didn't really have any competition. You know? Credit. John Cena's been, you know, had had a longer on top than... Hulk Hogan, anybody, anybody. He's been the longest on top in WWE. But it's almost like, you know, where else? It, it's, I feel like it's a struggling business since the Attitude Era when it comes to, like, who's who's going to be our next top guy? And they're trying to push guys into that spot. Um, you know, you look at Roman Reigns now, they're trying to do it, and people just aren't biting on it and stuff like that. It's not happening organically. When Stone Cold did it, it happened so organically. And same with The Rock. Here? So, so organic, like it was, it was just a, a thing that happened. Like people just on on their side, and uh, you know, it just it just makes you wonder. Like, would this business be different for the better or for the worse without John Cena? Here's what some of the other fans, our other fans over at Wrestling Perspective Podcast on Facebook, had to say. Uh, Adam Patrick said, "The Undertaker, John Cena, Stone Cold, The Rock, and Triple H." I'm not sure if that's in any order, so we don't have to really discuss the order that they wrote wrote it down. Rob McNeely says, DDP should be in this discussion for his DDP yoga as well as helping Jake and Razor Ramon. How do you feel about that? Does does DDP yoga do enough to put, put Diamond Dallas Page on this map of the Mount Rushmore of superstars? No, uh, definitely not. I would say if there's a Mount Rushmore of superstars that helped other superstars get straight again, then he would definitely be number one. But we're just looking at, like... Everything. You know, In, out. Yeah, yeah. What, what we're looking at. Uh, John says, The Rock, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Undertaker, and Bret Hart. Mm. I, I don't know if I could put Bret Hart in, in that I would As much as I like Bret Hart and he's, like, my favorite, I wouldn't put him there because, again, it's the same thing. Almost like the John Cena thing. Like, you know... 
Hogan left, Macho Man left, like all their top stars, and they had to create new stars. And it's like, well, you know, Brett's working his way up, and then uh, he hit that, you know, top peak and stuff like that, and he had a good run when he was pro-Canada and stuff like that. Like, that really changed uh, the Canada versus U.S. angle that, you know, I still use to this very day. Did you ever meet That was super hot. What's up? Did you ever meet meet your boy? Brett? Yeah. Oh, yeah, many times. Yeah, many times. Been on many shows with them and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, then Brett, right before the ratings turned, he went to WCW and almost immediately WWE had the ratings again. So it's not like, you know, he was an influencer. anything huge. I mean, yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing he'll be remembered for is the Montreal screw job. That's the biggest thing, uh, you know, like when 50 years from now, they'll say, Brett, oh, you know, wasn't he that guy in that Montreal screw job? You know, that makes sense. Nate Williams yeah. says Nate Williams says he Slater kissed Demon Brad Armstrong mass transit and major guns. Yep, yep, I would agree. Major guns <laughs> number one. Yep. Colin Westrate, what says uh, Austin Goldberg, Strowman, Lesnar, and Macho Man. Way too early mm-hmm. for Strowman. And yep, I don't think you can put Brock as big of a beast as he is the lack of consistency in his contract in years in service in gaps between years into WWE really for me takes is a minus towards this category. Yeah. I wouldn't say Brock's up there on the Mount Rushmore, but he's definitely a, you know, he's one of the most successful, I would say the most successful in a, I don't like calling it a real sport, but like a, a real sport. Um, outside of wrestling. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's up there. I, I just wouldn't say that he had an impact on professional wrestling. Like if there was no Brock Lesnar, uh, I don't think wrestling would be any much different, you know, like, I don't think he had a lot to contribute when it comes to changing the way wrestling is. I, I mean, maybe a little bit in the sense that, you know, he brought a more, when he came back from the UFC, and I remember when he feuded with Cena, it was kind of like, it was a lot more intriguing because he had that, you know, I'm a legit badass in real life, like, you know, under his belt now. So it did add a, another element to his character, that's for sure. Jeff McCall says, Lex Luger, the Road Warriors, John Cena, Sting, and Petey Williams. I think it's only because yep. it's your podcast. Uh, probably. And the fact that... Uh, well, you know, I could say I contributed to wrestling, not like in the like ways that these other guys had, but I remember like, you know, just Sammy Callahan saying to me, he's like, Hey, you revolution, you, you started a revolution in pro wrestling. He's like, you took a, a video game move that's unheard of and made it an actual real life professional wrestling move that's used all the time now. So I'm like, Oh, cool. I did have a little hand in something in wrestling, at least that I could say. And then say, so, and I then, thought that was cool. And then Sammy hit you in the face with a bat. Yeah, then he hit me in the face with a bat and said, take that. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Sammy, if you ever listen to this, I'm, I'm sorry. It was too easy. I had it. It was just like softball right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you know, I was going to say this at the top of the show when we were being mushy about the friends, about you know our fans and everything. Yeah. When you and I started this podcast – I came to you, you were not sure about it, and you finally said, hey, all right, I'll, I'll do one, two, maybe three episodes and see how it goes. And I've never heard back from you, but do you think you'll stick around? Um, I don't know. I might do four or five, and then uh, maybe you can put the franchise tag on me, and then I'll stick around for another year. I don't know. I don't know. We also had one more question before we – get uh, James Ellsworth what everybody's here for over at the Facebook page was and let's talk tag teams this was the post uh, by the way our good friend Russ is doing some uh, social media work over there at our Facebook page so go over there and be interactive but per your personal favorites of tag teams and he, he broke his into two tier tier one Midnight Express Rock and Roll Express Steiners Freebirds Road Warriors Tier 2, Doom, Demolition, Heart Foundation, Harlem Heat, and Guilty Pleasure was the powers of pain. Any, any okay, tag so teams that, that he mentioned, that? 
any tag teams that he mentioned that's not on that list that you feel like should be there? Oh, man. That's a good question. Um, I don't know, man. I was a huge fan of Demolition. I look back at it now, and their matches were so simple. Uh, tag teams, huh? I mean... Here, here's the problem with this. He left off the four horsemen. You, the four, If you're going to put the Freebirds on there, and, and there were three of them, you have to put the four horsemen somewhere. Arn Anderson and you know Ole or Arn and whoever else tagged with them at that time. But the the four horsemen should be on that list. Yeah, they, they should be on that list. I'm trying to think of who else would be. Like Harlem Heat, like anybody that's a like brothers, legit brothers in real life, like Steiner Brothers, Harlem Heat, and stuff like that, they're going to be on the list because, you know, they're they're legit brothers. Um, I don't know. That's a good question because usually tag teams nowadays they're like not even around for that long. So when you look at tag teams like that, they're they'll split up, they'll come back together, um, all that kind of stuff. Like I mean, should you mention like the New Age Outlaws? Like I, I don't know. Like they they were some of the hottest they're, they're like a hottest selling like tag team for the longest time um man that that's that's good i i've got to think about that and would get you, back to it on the tag teams would you put beer money on that list somewhere no no um it was a good I would question put like no i mean i would put team canada before beer money jeez Ooh. uh oh no, i mean beer money i mean they were together for a little bit but I mean, no, no. And they were a good tag team. They just, it was almost like, you know, when they have like, okay, we'll, we'll put it this way. The bar right now, Sheamus and Cesaro, they were like two single wrestlers that were like, well, if we don't do something with these guys, they'll get lost in mid card. So they put them together and now they're like the top tag team. Same thing with beer money. It's like, okay, these are two guys that have like world, you know, championship written all over them. But I know right now they're going to get lost in mid card. So let's put them together, see what happens. And they became a good tag team. Like yeah. I would put like uh, teams like um, you, that haven't made it to like the level of WWE and WCW and stuff like that. Um, like the Young Bucks, you know, yes. and like the Motor City Machine Guns, the Briscoes, teams like that. Um, you know, I I think they're great. I mean, what depends what we're looking at, but I think they're great tag team wrestlers. Adam Patrick put the Briscoes on his list on the tier two, which I think they should be there. But here's yeah, they've been around forever, forever, like since the early two thousands or whatever. Here's the one thing: out of ten comments we had on this on their Facebook page, not one of them put the Rockers. You know, it's because they had what one tag title run that got taken back for one reason or another. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean. Shawn Michaels and Triple H were a more successful tag team than Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. That's that's interesting because when I think when I think of the Rockers, I think they were out there doing high flying stuff, which I don't know if it was. And I'm looking through this through kid eyes because I was a kid when this happened. At that time, I'm not sure if I remember seeing a ton of people doing that kind of stuff. Oh no, not not on television. Anyways, it was probably done like in territories or whatever the case may be. But no, right. I mean when they came over from I don't know if they were from NWA, AWA. I, I can't remember where they were from. Um, and when they came over, they were like the high flyer guys, you know. So um, well, then they had a look that not a ton of people had. I think they were a more exaggerated version of like the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, like a new new version, a younger version of the Rock and Roll Express. No, I I agree. I just wouldn't put them as top tag teams because, you know, by the time they got rolling in WWE, after a few years, they split up and went their separate ways. And I, would, uh, I wouldn't put them there either, by the way. I was just shocked that I didn't see, out of 10 comments, not one of them put that tag team on there. Yeah, you would think that somebody would put, especially if you're putting, like, Demolition or something like that, even though they had uh, a bunch of title runs. You'd think they put the Rockers there just because Shawn Michaels came out of the Rockers and Shawn Michaels. Um, I'm surprised nobody put Shawn Michaels on their top five list of the, the Mount Rushmore, which surprised me as well. Because I'll I'll meet a lot of actual like you know professional wrestlers that say Shawn Michaels is like 
one of the best that ever set foot in the ring, pretty much. I agree. I, I was also disappointed only one person put Doom on there, and Doom, by far, is one of my favorite tag teams of all time. I think it was 89, maybe 90. I was watching Starcade the other day, and Doom versus Four Horsemen in a street fight match was... Oh, no, it was Great American Bash. If I, I'm gonna have to go back through my tweet and look at that up. But Doom versus the Four Horsemen were one of the best matches of that year. Uh, I, I haven't seen it, but I mean, if you're saying so, then okay. Let me so. look. I, I, I'm I'm going through here. Let's see here on my tweets. Um, P.D. Williams, uh, I've got to go through and find it because there's a, all I seem to tweet is you. All right. It, oh, of it, course. It was uh, Star K90. That was uh, the main event in that. It was Sting versus the Black Scorpion, which I'm still embarrassed to admit is still one of my all-time favorite storylines because as a kid when it happened. And I went back and watched it, and sure, it's cheesy and goofy, but man... I still liked it. Starcade ninety, nineteen ninety. Starcade nineteen ninety. Watch it. All right, if you I'll, get... I'll have to. I'll have to watch that. That the 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 Doom versus the Four Horsemen street fight. Phenomenal. All right. So. All right. Do Do you think we should bring in our guest? Uh. Now we can bring in our guest. Okay, PD. Here we are. I, I'm I'm excited. Our very first guest and somebody that I've been high on for so long. Pete, it's James Ellsworth joining us for the first time on our little podcast. James, what's up, guys? What's going Happy on, buddy? Listen, you, it's great. This is this is awesome. Petey had told me a story about how you had uh, you you had kind of listened to the podcast once and it I'll be honest it made me feel awesome I tweeted you and I think you were like oh man that's cool thank you but dude, thank you so much for listening yeah man I was on a road trip I can't remember where I was going but uh I don't know I just saw a tweet about it I was like yeah this is different I haven't listened to this yet and I went ahead and put it on uh and just listened to the whole thing liked it and I like and uh, didn't realize you guys like it was an episode you were talking about me, so that was cool. And appreciate the shout out. <laughs> See, I'm giggling now, Pete. Yeah, no. Hey, James, do you do you listen to any like wrestling podcasts? Like, I I don't really listen to any. I mean, I listen to like a few of like Cabanas and stuff like that. Is there any that you listen to? Yeah, I listen to the uh, something to wrestle with of Pritchard and Conrad. That's a real fun one. Jericho's, of course, and he's my buddy, so I always uh, talk as Jericho. I listen to his just when I'm on road trips, especially if you're by yourself on a road trip. They're good to listen to, and um, you know, to pass the time. So yeah, I, I try to get in as many as possible, and like I'll try a new one every now and then, like one I haven't heard. Steve Austin's podcast. There's just what there's a bunch of them out there, and um, I listen no, to everyone at least once. Outside of wrestling, what are some other podcasts you listen to? Uh, well, none. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> so so I, I have to ask you, you've lived every little boy's dream, even just being in a WWE, WWF wrestling ring just once. How did the the second run come about? We, we all remember the Braun Strowman afterwards. How did that come about between you and the WWE? Well, they um, kept in contact with me um, ever since the Strowman match. Like, I, I wasn't on TV again for six weeks, but during that six-week period, they kept in contact with, with me every week. Like, hey, we may, we may have something for you this week, or we may have something for you at SummerSlam. And, you know, and um, just every week, they like, six weeks is a long time. So, like, by the fifth week, I was like, man, I guess this ain't happening. Like, you know, I, I guess, you know, they were probably paying attention to the Internet and all the fans, like, having all the fun with the memes and, and everything. And uh, I, know, I know, like, Vince was a fan of my performance that night with Strowman. So they, they kept in touch with me. And so finally they came to Philly, which is an hour and a half where I live in Baltimore, um, for SmackDown. They used me, um, like, they booked me in a tag match. It was supposed to be me and AJ against Cena and Ambrose. And the Miz came out and beat me up on the ramp. And that was my uh, second appearance there. 
I'll be honest, there are two people on this podcast right now that have beaten AJ Styles, and one of them's not me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think you're, and I, we talked about this on our uh, one of our other podcasts, Dennis, your win-loss record, like your percentage is greater than mine when it comes to beating AJ Styles, so kudos to you, James. Yeah, I think it's 75%, something like that. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, cool. I, well, you only lost him, like, what, once, right? Yeah, he uh, that... when we had the uh, title match after um, TLC, when like the whole story with TLC, which it, it was a good story, I don't think it, it got caught as well as it could have. Like, where I pushed the lamb the uh, ladder over on Ambrose when he was on top of the ladder, about to beat AJ for the WWE Championship. I pushed the ladder over, he went through tables. The reason being because I, in my head, I thought I could beat AJ Styles again and become champion. It was nothing against Dean Ambrose. I just thought I could beat AJ and be the champion. Is was the story, which you know we we like talked about it on Talking Smack. I, it would have been cooler, you know. AJ got hurt for a little bit there, like he tweaked his ankle, so we never really got this story across. Other than when he came back, he beat me in like 20 seconds because Ambrose wasn't out there to help me, you know. And it was a great story and a lot of fun. All right, I'm gonna be fanboy here for just two seconds. I have to ask you. What were some of the things that maybe the fans would be, I don't know if I'd use the word shocked, but just in wonderment about just everyday life on the road or even backstage with the WWE? It's just so busy, man. Like, it's, it's it never ends, which it's cool. It's cool. I like to be busy. Like, I, I hate when I have downtime. But, like, yeah, you, you get up in the morning, you hurry up and get your gym in, you hurry up and get a meal in, and then you're at the building. And then, you know, you're at, like for TV, you're at the building, like, from 1 o'clock until 11 o'clock at night, um, you know, for Raw or SmackDown or a pay-per-view. So it's just – and, like, when you're there, you're waiting to see what, what you're doing, and then you're going over what you're doing. And, you're like, you, you know, it's, t- it's live TV, so there's no room for error. So you, you have to uh, really rehearse and practice what, what you're going to do on TV that night. And, um, yeah, it's just very, very busy. Now, Jim, is it anything – because I've never worked for WWE, but, you know, I've worked many times for Impact. It feels like, you know, you get there at call time, like 12, 1 o'clock. Um, you know, catering's pretty much there. You, you say hi to everybody. And then you're kind of waiting to see it. Like, is it like, I feel like I'm waiting around till at least like maybe three o'clock. Like if I don't have any pre, even if you have any like pre-tapes, like, yeah, we need you on the set at 2.30, but 2.30 never rolls around. It's always like three because somebody's later, whatever the case may be. Is it like you hurry up and wait for the first couple hours and after that, it's just like a mad rush of everything. Is it like that over there? Yeah, but pretty much, you, know, you like sometimes you don't know what you're doing until five o'clock. Like you don't like it. Just it depends on the day. It, it depends on how many times they rewrite the show and um, you know, like when Vince, because you know Vince obviously finalizes everything, so you got to wait on him. And um, yeah, it's just. But once you do find out what you're doing and, and set in stone, um, it gets hectic from there because then you're you're going over it and you know like again you need, like, as you know Pete you've done live TV like there's no room for error so you just you're just you know making sure uh, everything goes well in rehearsal so when you do it on, on live TV it goes well too. What what yeah, have well. you what have you learned from WWE that will help you evolve the James Ellsworth character on the Indies? I mean, like, it just, people have, like, short attention spans these days. So, like, you can't, like, cut a 15-minute promo. Like, if you if you do that on the indies, like, people are going to get bored and just walk and get food or just, like, like, you know, get your point over in two minutes or less and, you know, move on to the next thing, move on to the match or move on to the next segment, like, you know, when people talk and go on and on, like like this, we're the day and age where people's attention span is very, very small, and they 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 get that point across up there a lot, and like that's why like all the like Instagram like shows are what a minute or less long on Instagram, Twitter too, like then or you know or less, and you get a lot you can get a lot out of a minute. So like on the Indies, like you know before WWE on the Indies, I would get on the mic and it'd be like you know four or five minutes because you know I'm thinking I'm getting good heat and I'm going on and on because the crowd's booing, but I can get the same message over in two minutes or less and get the same heat or even more heat because you know, less is more than I did in that five minutes with two minutes. Is the James Ellsworth character a natural face or a heel? 
Well, when I first came in, natural baby face, underdog, you know, just doesn't look like the rest of the guys, not big, not, you know, it, that was, it was a natural baby face at, at first. You know, and once the character started progressing and uh, I was with Carmella, like, I, I just really wanted to be a heel. Like, I just felt like, you know, man, if I'm going to be with a heel, I want to be a heel too. Like, the whole story's supposed to be she's using me and to get wins and, uh, you know, she's manipulating me, which is fine, but it, 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 it glass is half full there. If we're both heels and I'm helping her cheat and I'm feeling myself, like, I'm I'm feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with this hot chick and I should be because <laughs> I'm hot too and, like, you know. And, it, and it, as it progressed, and especially after Money in the Bank, like it, it started, it, it got real good there for for a minute, where her and I were both heels, and we were getting good heat, and um, yeah, there was a good month or two where it was really, really good stuff. And uh, but yeah, with answer your question, at first natural baby face, um, at, you know, after a while there, natural heel, and I, like on the indies right now, I'm doing, I can do either. Like I, you know, when I get booked on shows, I, I'm fine with doing both. I'm trying to do more of a heel gimmick right now. Overall, with the Andy Kaufman stuff with the intergender title, amazing. So by that the way. character's naturally heel. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I, I, we've got a ton of questions about that. The PD, what else do you have? Um, the one, so, so I just want to make a comment and maybe you could elaborate on it, James. So it, it feels like WWE every, I don't know, it seems like every few years, it could be two, it could be four years, they have a character not similar to yours, but a character like yours that is so out of the realm of what you would expect out of the WWE, that it works. Like, you go back and you take uh, somebody like uh, a Eugene, like a, a like a mentally challenged wrestler. That's so unheard of, but it worked for a little bit. And then uh, what's another one? Like a Santino Morella, like um, that, that underdog came from Italy and then, you know, beat Umaga for the uh, Intercontinental title. And then he evolved into a comedy character. But then eventually he turned heel. Same with Eugene. He turned heel. And then you turned heel so i feel like and do you feel the same way uh this unique character that they always build that's so like different than what's going on in wwe um it works but just for a little bit because then people are kind of like ah i don't know if we like it anymore it's not as cool and then that's where the heel turn comes in Is, is is that how you feel um like yes and no like yes like people get tired of you know, things real quickly in general these days. So you do have to evolve characters um, quickly, more quickly than you did, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, like with my character, the babyface character, I feel like it, it could have stayed babyface for a little longer. I feel like being an underdog and the perception that you're beating the world champion, even though it was all fluke victories and all, you know, gaga stuff. Like the perception to the fans is this little dude is beating AJ Styles, the greatest wrestler in the world, and and a lot of people didn't like that. So right away, I'm, like I went from being an underdog to beating the world champ, and kind of, you know, like to me, like if if they would have just beat me, you know, in matches for a couple of months, and I get a big win out of nowhere, then you could have got more of a you know a babyface run out of that character, and you could have got like you know, like you know going back to what you're saying, it like it it would have lasted longer than it did. And you could have got more out of it. But, yeah, like the Eugene and the Santinos and all, you have to evolve those characters. They can't be – you know, Santino, he he had a long, nice run. He was, you know, he looked like a wrestler. He was in good shape. And, so, and Eugene, too. Those guys, like, were different for me because they both were, you know, you know, in good shape and looked like wrestlers. Like, the James Ellsworth character, what separates that character from them is he, he just looks like a regular dude really trying to wrestle and trying hard. And, you know, he, he'll step up to Braun Strowman even though he doesn't have a chance. And he'll – he thinks, you know, he can get in the ring with the world champion. But, yeah, like, yeah, people, again, it goes about back to attention spans. You you have to evolve, like, a character, I think, especially this day and age. You know. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I, I, many times on Twitter, I would see people tweet or, you know, your name would pop up where they'd say, I don't know why James Ellsworth is letting, you know, WWE do this to him. They're degrading him, making him look funny. It's a joke. I stood up and said, and, and I, I think it's right, but correct me if I'm wrong, but WWE basically has is, is prolonged your life on the indie circuit now. I don't know how your bookings are now, but I hear that you're, you're doing very well. The WWE bump has definitely pushed your indie career, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have nothing at all bad to say about WWE. Like, do I like the character had more legs there? Yeah, absolutely. But 
that doesn't mean those legs there have to be right now. Like to me, like, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. If I, you know, I, I go and WWE run did help the Indies. Like my, I have more bookings than ever. I'm making more money than I've ever made, obviously because of the run. So the run was a blessing. If somebody would have told me when I did the Stroman things, like, Hey kid, this thing's going to lead to a 16 month run you know, with WWE, and then you'll go back to the Indies, I would have been ecstatic. I always think about that. What if, what would I have thought if they would have told me that day you're going to get 16 months with WWE out of this, then you're going to go back to the Indies, people are going to be booking you all the time. Like, I'm booked solid for months, and it's because of the run. And um, do, But do I think, like, there's more to do with WWE for the character? Absolutely. But, I mean, like, right now they took me away, and – like, imagine if I, like, come back. Like, it's going to be a, a bigger reaction than if I would have just stayed longer, you know? No. Just... Yeah, and, and speaking of reaction, so, James, we were on a show, like, last month or January or something for Destiny up in Toronto. And when yeah. you came out, your reaction was so ridiculously loud. I mean, we had – look, we had, like, we had Austin Aries on the show. We had – uh, like Elgin, we even had Pete Dunn on the show, and you by far blew them all out of the water. Um, I I just had to throw that out there. Um, I didn't know where I was going with that, but your reaction, like you said, is was huge. Now, do you get now going back to like your hometown, Baltimore, and when you go and and see all the boys that you kind of came up with and stuff like that? And there might have been some guys that you thought like, oh, this guy's gonna be uh, the next. Uh, you know, guy that WWE signs or whatever the case may be. Do you get heat? Do you get a little bit of heat from the boys? Because I remember, like, when I went back after, you know, I made my TV appearance and stuff like that, people were like, oh, you think you're a big shot now, even though I didn't even say anything. Do you get the same, like, kind of, you know, joking heat from your boys? Oh, yeah, the tongue and cheek, the tongue and uh, cheek stuff. Yeah, the, oh, hey, what's up, superstar? And all, you know, it's just exactly. tongue and cheek. I don't, okay. I don't, you know, I don't think it's, you know, I don't take any of it seriously. Like, you know, I'm, I always, have been always will be a down to earth dude that just loves this business and just having fun. But yeah, when I see the guys like you say, the hey, what's up, superstar? How was WrestleMania? Or I was Madison Square Garden? <laughs> or you know, just I mean, just, I would ask them the same questions if they did it. You know, so it's it's all it's, it's all in fun. I I, I can uh, actually say you are down to earth. PD and I were at the Kobo show during I believe it was Hell in the Cell. You and Shelton Benjamin walk in the back, and I turned into a little twelve-year-old boy. I'm like, "Pete, it's it's James Ellsworth." He's like, "Just let him be. Don't go talk to him." But I, I'm watching you, and you're shaking everybody's hand, and you're talking to people. And I've seen some of the older guys come through, well established, that that did, don't do the backstage etiquette like you do. How was that taught to you? Well, all right. Axel Rotten's um, ECW original. He was my trainer, and he like I don't know, Petey. You probably were around him. You've probably been in locker rooms with him. Oh like, yeah, I um, didn't, I he didn't was know always... Axel trained you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he was always a fun loving guy that just loved loved it and just you know you shake everybody's hand, and you you say hi, and, and you know, dude. Like at the end of the day, like to me, this is just how I feel personally. Nothing to do with Axel or anybody. Personally, I feel like we're all humans. Like, nobody's above anybody. Like, you have good people in this world, and you have bad people in this world. If someone's good to me, I'm always good to them. If someone's bad to me, I distance myself from them. So I treat everybody the same. Like, I'm nice to everyone until, like, someone's not nice to me, and I I, I just literally walk away from the situation. I, but, yeah, like, it, you know, in this wrestling thing, like, it's, you know, I, I don't ever feel like I'm – above anyone and, and never will it's just you know it's we we do this this is what we all love is you know it doesn't matter what level we're at like that night you're talking about in detroit you know i went back there to see some friends and then you know all the police there i was like i'll oh, make sure i'm gonna shake everybody's hand and you know what why not like they're doing the same thing i'm doing and you know and they're trying to make it i know how it feels pete i know i've got at least two more questions how about you uh, yeah go ahead dennis go ahead so I have to ask you. Let's let's talk about the cinder gender belt, and it definitely inspired by Andy Kaufman. How did you come up with the idea to revive this? Well, I'm you know, there's a couple of things I did on TV were with the girls. I was you know get bumped by them a lot. Then I, ultimately, it led to Becky and I having a match, which like we never thought we were going to have. We pushed for that match, pushed for it, and, and like it's out of the blue. It, it just finally kind of happened. Like the day we didn't know that we were going to have that match until the day before. They just kind of 
Texas folks saying, hey, start a little Twitter war and um, you guys are going to have a match tomorrow. I'm like, huh? Like, like I was on, like, a leash with Carmelo. Like, I was doing, like, nothing. <laughs> like, you know, just walking around being Carmelo's little lackey, and which, which was cool, which, the, you know, that, like, I, I, I was anxious to see where that was going. We never got to the ending of that story, like, if, you know, like, with the whole leash, and, like, there was no ending to it. They just kind of took it off out of nowhere, put me in the ring with Becky. We had a fun match that, you know, everybody in, that seemed to enjoy. And um, that's what led me to this intergender title. I'm like, well, the last couple of, you know, since money in the bank, people just remember me for, you know, messing with the girls. So why not continue that on the independence? Like, I like, I could go, to, I could have went to the independence and been James Ellsworth, any man with two hands, it's a funny chance. And it would have been you know, well and good. And I, I would have got booked still, but like the intergender title, it's like, it's throwing that spice on, onto it. You know, it, it throws a little bit of spice onto the character and, gives people a different thing on a show. You can go to a show and see me wrestle. Like, I have matches with Emma coming up, Tennille Dashwood. I have matches with Victoria coming up and, like, you know, and, and all the various girls. And that's just a different thing on a show. And, you know, you already have, like, me, you know, people have seen on television that are coming to the show to see it. Now they're seeing me wrestle a girl, and it's just different than everything else on the show, and it's, and it's fun. And, like, you know, I'm not, like, this big, muscular, like, you know, tall, crazy-looking guys. So if you put me in there with a girl, you 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 think she has a chance to win. You're you're not like, oh man, this guy's about to beat up this girl. You're you're like, man, is is, is James going to beat this girl? Is this girl going to beat James? You don't know. So it's just fun for everyone. And I did enjoy Andy Kaufman when I was a kid. I just I had a lot of those. Uh, my grandfather had a lot of those like Memphis tapes, USWA, and like. And I used to watch that as a kid. I would just laugh because he's like wrestling girls and he's trying to fight Jerry the King Lawler, who I you know. When I was a kid, I saw him raw, like uh, doing commentary. And, uh, you know, I always liked that character anyway. So it's um, fun. I get to do it now. Has now, it, oh, go well, ahead. Can I do a follow up on that one, Dennis? Yeah. So you don't have to. You don't have to tell us, James. But you know, it, it seems like you're really smart of what direction you want this intergender championship and everything to go. In your mind, do you have like a big payoff, like a big ending of, uh, you know, where you see this going? Or are you just gonna ride well, it out no. and see what happens? Well, um, yeah, right now, um, I, I got some ideas for it. Um, it's funny, Tommy okay. Dreamer. Okay. I just saw him at Bar Wrestling up in um in California, the Joey Ryan's promotion, and uh, yep. which yep. was cool. Joey Ryan does intergender stuff as well. So him and I had him that night. That was, that was one of the most fun nights I've ever had. Yeah. Independence. The crowd was just so into it. And um, Tommy Dreamer, like, he's like, hey, let me see that belt. And I showed him the belt. And he's like, well, you know, James, if you ever go back uh, to WWE, you're going to have to drop this on the indies. So we have it on the indies for people to wrestle. <laughs> so, That's you know, so, like, so if that ever yeah. happens, and I do go back to WWE, I will drop it to someone so they can have it, like, so it still be on the indies while I'm gone. <laughs> like, But other than that, man, like, I just want to wrestle girls for it um and you know if it ever gets old i'll just stop doing it but right now people seem to enjoy it like people are tagging me in pictures of them making the the title on uh on the wwe video games and people are like anytime i put a mat- match graphic up of a girl and i they're writing real like fun things about it like it's, it's getting a lot of positivity right now if it, and just like with anything else if that slows down then I'll figure out what to do with it and just stop doing it. But, you know, as, as long as it's getting some steam and people are enjoying it, I'm going to continue to do it. You, you mentioned future plans. Has any of the other companies, Ring of Honor, Impact, Tommy Dreamer's House of Hi- Hardcore, contacted you about uh, maybe an extended run there? Uh, yeah, there's been small talks with people. I've only been on the Indies for a month now. Um there has been ideas thrown at me, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, I don't know um, – yeah, I don't know, like, where, really where I want to go or what I want to do right now. Like, I, I, I do feel like – I mean, I did some stuff for the NWA guys. Like, they have the uh, – you know, uh, Billy Corgan just bought um, NWA. And yeah, I saw filmed, that with um, uh, Nick there. Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah, that was that was that was good, and um, there's gonna be more stuff with them, I think, because that went well, and everybody was cool, and we just, you know, Nick's a great guy, and we just had a lot of fun doing all that, and Dave um, Lagana helps with that, and he's he was real cool, and I, I just so the NWA thing, I, I think I'm gonna be sticking with that, but as far as the other companies go, man, like I'm willing to try anywhere and do anything, and I, and I think like. You know, the fans, like, uh, they just, uh, like, uh, 
at WWE, the James Ellsworth character always got a reaction, whether it was, uh, you know, good or bad or like, like as long as you're getting a reaction and Petey knows this, I'm sure. Like as long as you're getting a reaction, that's all that matters. Whether it's, you know, cheers, booze or whatever, as long as people are making noise. So like, I'm willing to go anywhere and see if people make noise for the character. And if they're, if they're making a lot of noise, I'm willing to stay there and keep at it. It just, uh, you know, I hope I go everywhere and do everything. That's where I, I hope to be right now is anywhere doing anything and having fun, entertaining people. And finally, if people want James Ellsworth merch or to find out, uh, you know, where your next dates are, where can people go to find you and follow you on social media? Well, Twitter, it's at uh, Real Ellsworth. At Instagram, it's James Ellsworth Wrestling. And then for T-shirts, it's Pro Wrestling Tees slash Ellsworth. Um, you can find them on there. And then uh, I run a promotion in Maryland when I have time. I actually I ran a show in February and run one in March. Uh, it's Adrenaline Championship Wrestling. Check that out at AdrenalineWrestling.com and ACW slash Pro on Twitter. There you go. You guys must follow us. James, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy night to talk to two jokers like us. Uh, thank you James, guys. Yeah, we, hope to see you again. We you appreciate still, it. You, uh, you, you, yeah. You, um, are you going to be up at uh, Destiny anytime soon again or anywhere else? Or I was just at Destiny this past uh, Sunday. Um, I got a show in South Bend coming up, and then I'm uh, heading back to Impact. And Speaking of Impact, you know what the rumors are going to be now. Now that that you're on a podcast with an impact guy, oh, Ellsworth is going to impact, you know. So let the rumors begin. I guess I don't know. <laughs> right, uh, right now I I don't like the honest thing is I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I'm going to wind up, but I, I am willing to talk to anybody and try anything. And like I just want to entertain people. Like I like I'm just one of those guys that hasn't forgotten that the fans are the most important thing. Like they're the ones paying their money. Like come see us, and a lot some of them. Like it's it's hard for them to pay that money, but they're doing it. And you gotta give them a good show. And dude, like after every WWE show, I would go sign for them. Like after, like in the airports, I would always sign for them. Hotels, like I just I never will forget those are the most important thing. The James Ellsworth podcast coming soon. <laughs> Possibility. We'll see about that too. <laughs> All right, James. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.